Now, we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Adam Morgan. Becoming older and aging in America is beginning to take on new, fresh directions. It's trending away from simply babysitting the grandkids, enjoying the lake from a park bench, taking the occasional senior tour, and finding a new two-room place in a retirement village. The new move is toward working longer or transitioning to Encore careers. Instead of downsizing, it's right-sizing and keeping active through riding bikes, taking hikes, to joining meetups. Yep, it's that boomer generation making change again. Answering their question, is that all there is, with, we can be more than that. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. Although the changes are occurring at the same time organizations and governments are being mindful that making age-friendlier environments will take real planning, real work, and real resources. In Colorado, the organization SAPGA, S-A-P-G-A, for the Strategic Action Planning Group for Aging, has been working to better define the aging issues and challenges and set into place the framework for the planning and the execution necessary to achieve a better age-friendly community and state. SAPCA Chair Dr. Christiane Etienne and member Karen Brown are with us again for this edition. You know, I, I'm going to offer that we're seeing some evolution in, in the thinking of older people. Uh-huh. You know, right now we have about, well, in 2010, about 12% of the population over 65 worked. Uh-huh. In 2018, that number is 23% right now. Yeah. There are projections, a Gallup poll in 2018 projected that number up to 40%. So I think in part because of the economy, our healthcare needs, and the recognition that we're living longer, that people are actually making some conscious decisions. And I, I can actually tell you that my mother, when she was 90 years old, told me, if I'd had any idea, any idea, I would live this long, I would have worked longer. Maybe <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have worked yeah. with dad in the business, but I just stayed engaged in some capacity because I never thought I'd have 25 years of like fun, like mm-hmm. it's more than I can handle, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Tell her she can share some of that with the rest of us. That's right. One of your recommendations was uh, giving support to the growing number of um, Coloradans who are caregivers. Have you gone down that trail yet to find out what changes or what support the states or the governments can give to support those caregivers when 80% of them are supporting loved ones. So this is an area that, we're, that we actually ju- are, mo- are meeting on Monday. So we meet um, on the second Monday of every month. This last one we focused completely on caregiving. And so we actually looked at several different components of this. So um, when we look at caregiving, it is not just one thing. And that's one of the challenges is that we have shortages in our paid caregiving workforce. Mm-hmm. We also have a lack of support for family members who are providing caregiving. And so what we're looking at is is trying to conceptualize what are the different pieces that folks need in order to, under, to, to, to move into that. And the first piece of that is even identifying oneself as a caregiver, um, that even that piece in terms of seeing we, oneself. Most people don't see themselves as no, caregivers? That, that not, that's not the first thing that comes. I'm, you know, Interesting. And, and this is cultural I, I'm as well. This is there. cultural as well. So in Darking, for, for example, <laughs> some of our folks in Latino communities. This is just what family does. This is not – you don't, what they we do. don't label it as some professional term um, and talk about respite care and, and all these things. This is – that's professional jargon. And so we need, we need language to sort of reach out and sort of help, especially early on. As that caregiving goes on, in the beginning, it's little things, right? And, and so we evolve into that process um, and, and, and then it can become quite dramatic, um, especially towards the end. 
Yeah. And, and so helping families begin to think about that. A lot of what we're coming to is that a big part of this is also planning. It's about supporting conversations. Yeah, sure. So, so as Karen was mentioned, people see these differences and begin to think differently and realize that if I'm going to live to be 90, mm-hmm. how do I plan for that? What, what do I have to do in order to make that happen? And if I'm going to live to 90, what do I want to, what do I want to have happen in my life to, be, to make that comfortable? And, and making decisions about what end of life looks like. That's another, that's another big part we're coming to as part of our healthcare conversation is that all those end of life issues need to be a part of that conversation in terms of planning for that end. We have to plan for it, but come on, a lot of us boomers didn't think about the end, all no. right? The book, <laughs> the book passages had seven passages, how to get everything else lined up. But that ah, eighth one, ah, it's going to be you. Oh, no, not so much, not yet. Yep. You know, it hasn't gotten there yet. Yep. But now as we've gotten older – we got to have that kind of a conversation, that is for sure. Another one of your recommendations was to uh, help uh, communities, uh, municipalities to reinvent themselves. You know, one of the initiatives that we strongly supported was Lifelong Colorado. Lifelong Colorado really weaves together two different programs, the Boomer Bond Program right. offered by Dr. Cog. Um, which really does go deal specifically with municipalities and counties to look at the infrastructure, look at the sidewalks. You know, are they accessible for wheelchairs? Are they accessible for strollers? Um, do we have adequate transportation? So that whole Dr. Cog program, the Boomer Bond, looks at the infrastructure of the municipalities and the the uh, counties. There's also the the Age-Friendly Communities, which is an AARP initiative that has eight different components. So Lifelong Colorado wove together both of those programs and was designed to actually connect with counties and municipalities across the state, not to tell them what to do, but to be a resource ultimately to help them kind of create some plans and move forward in, in that direction. And the thing about it is that when the municipalities are able to do that, then they're also setting it setting themselves up, and they are in position for those who come next. Exactly. They don't have to do it again. Adam, can yeah, I I want to step back just for a second, because when we were talking a little bit about, you know, workforce, um, one of the other things that's really drawn a lot of attention to this space is the report done by AARP. Okay. They did a, re- did a report called The Longevity Economy. It was published by the Oxford Economics, and they actually did this in 2016, I think, and they pointed to the fact that there are um, – hundreds of millions of people over the age of 65, and the amount of money that they spend on an annual basis, the economic driver, is $7.8 billion a year in the U.S. And that people over 65 control 83% of the wealth. Yeah. So we have an amazing market. These people have money to spend. And if you can keep them employed, you know what? That's a driver for the economy. So I think that every county, every municipality, every um, state will be looking more closely at how do we keep older people somewhat engaged? Because that means you and I will spend more money. Um, That means my city, my county, my government will get access to more resources and it will keep our economy moving forward. So I think there's a big rationale for all of these places looking at how do we keep older people engaged in the community in a, in a longer period of time. It wow. keeps them healthier, too. It is true. It is the economic drivers there and trying to get uh, politicians to see that. I think the, uh, the professional public administration people will pick up on that in a hurry. That is for sure. And, that, and so they, they will go back and read the reports that SAFCA 
is putting together. And we do, are doing our part to reach out. So we uh, sponsored for the last couple of years a legislative caucus um, where we have put aging um, on the agenda and, and, and met with legislators about that. We are also meeting with the county commissioners to, again, to put the ideas out to them so that it's not just waiting for them to read the report. But we, what we firmly believe is that a report is a valuable tool, but it's only a tool. So we did not write the report and the update to sit on a shelf somewhere, right. but to be actively engaged in it. We are doing our part to, to do that. And we encourage your listeners to, to go to the, our website um, uh, and to, to be able to see the report and to see how to, to make that um, live for them. And that's uh, uh, on the Colorado State Government page under st- uh, State um, Strategic Action Planning Group on Aging. Now, there's a part of one of your recommendations, which probably um, some more mature people would say, what is that doing in there? But it makes a lot of sense. And that's encouraging retirement savings <laughs> and among younger people. <laughs> so that really spreads out the visibility for aging. And even though you may be 35, you need to be thinking about that. Or what recommendations are you making to Get that piece done. How are you doing that one? Everything else has other connections you can make, but to reach younger people about a clause in an aging study, that's got to be one of the more creative things. Or you haven't handled it yet, huh? You know, one of the things, um, there were actually four big recommendations tied to retirement. Um, One of them was to create a task force that would really look at, you know, how do we better educate around this? And through... I think it started initially through uh, Cynthia Kaufman, but I think mm-hmm. under Phil is it Phil Weiser, who's the new AG, yeah, yeah they, they've Phil. just rolled out a brand new task force that combines the the strength from the governor's office as well as the AG's office and the treasurer's office, and they will actually be looking at how do we do better education, bring all the parties together. So that's one piece. Um, another piece is that we actually supported improvements to the para. Uh, the para program, the retirement program here in the okay, state of Colorado. Right, right. I think there are several hundred now, thousand. Now, for those here who haven't been in Colorado while, it's the Public Employees Retirement Association program. Okay, go thank ahead. you for thank you for clarifying that acronym. No, 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 yeah. no problem. Listeners yeah. come from all kinds of places, and they go, "What? What's that?" <laughs> yeah, right. But we actually supported legislation that improved the solvency of that system, and that was passed uh, last year. Not this, not not this session, twenty eighteen, but in twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. There was a third piece of legislation that we were supportive of in the last two years um, that I actually believe came to at least a study group this year. And that was creating a public-private partnership, a a board that would allow for those families or those people who do not have access to a retirement plan of their own through their employer. Maybe it's a small company and they can't afford that, that you could actually invest money into this state, you know, quasi-governmental organization and be saving money for your retirement. Oh, that's tremendous. So that's been done in a couple other states, but it's actually looking like we're going to be moving forward with that here in Colorado. So some really positive movement in that direction um, in Colorado for retirement savings. And I mean, it's really about creating the tools. As, as an entity, SAP can't really go down and, and talk individually to, to, to consumers. Right. We can put the tools in place. Really what we're about is the partnership between public private, nonprofit. So it's really all entities within the state working together. And so in addressing all of these, we don't think we have the capacity to, to, to make it happen, but we can certainly nudge and encourage and support um, and recommend the direction to go in and then help the forces to come together to make that happen. If there was one thing you wanted to have happen with all the recommendations and goals and all that, what would the most important one be the the big step was 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 the um, 
senior advisor on aging. Okay. I think the next step that, that I see as, as a big step is we need to, to designate an aging person within each of the state um, the departments because the reality is that when we talk about aging, it affects every piece. It's transportation. It's housing. It's um, you know every sort of nuanced piece um, has has some touch touches on aging in some way. But there's not one person focused in each of those departments around aging. I think that's the next place we need to have a much more concerted ability to view things on a consistent level. Oh, I'm going to step back just for a second to this. The when you talk about retirement savings, yeah, sure. you know, actually that was one of the pieces that drove me into the field of aging. Uh-huh. So my backgrounds as a geoscientist, environmental science and engineering. Okay. So that's not a natural blend with aging. Well, at um, least we can talk about how aging people can save the planet before they go. There, there you go. <laughs> um, but after having been a caregiver for, you know, now more than 10 years and seeing what happened with my mom, she, she and my dad had saved something close to a million dollars. She suffered a stroke. And in that, she was about 80% paralyzed. So in four years, the doctor said, she's not going to live very long, you know, keep mm-hmm. her at home a couple months, you know, that's what he said. Sure. Four years later, at $150,000 a year for 24-7 care, so that's $600,000, we said, actually, the doctor was wrong. We need to move mom. So she moved into assisted living. Was there another four years, somewhere between 65000 a year, and eventually went on Medicaid? I had no idea, nor did my mother ever think that she would have saved that much money yeah. and deplete those resources. So I recognized then that, like, the average 65-year-old has saved, like, forty, fifty thousand bucks. 50000 We're in a world of hurt. So, like, that opened my eyes that we we have to do something about educating people and just hearing my story. Like people go, oh my gosh, she spent that much money, and yeah. so that that was a real eye opener. Miss Karen Brown and Dr. Christian Etine, chair of Colorado's Strategic Action Planning Group on Aging, have been our guests again for this edition. The Action Planning Group meets the second Monday of the month at the Denver Regional Council of Governments office at 1001 17th Street in Denver, 12 noon to 3 p.m., and the public is invited. You can also review their goals, recommendations, and activities online at colorado.gov slash aging strategy. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay on your game. And we thank you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us. You have been listening to Mile High Magazine, a look at the issues in people shaping Colorado, presented by the Public Affairs Department of Bonneville, Denver. If you have a suggestion for a future program or a question, please send an email to publicaffairs at bonneville.com. Thanks for listening to Mile High Magazine.